honestly, it, it is a it is a statement when you think about how we are as a society because it could change tomorrow. It could be like even something, and, and I'm not making light of this, but it could be aliens coming down and we're abducted. And some people are like, well, it hasn't happened to me yet. And I'm like, well, it, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a tragic thing. And you've been totally brainwashed by society and the media to us to have several streams of thought and, and nothing outside of that gets in or out. Aloha, ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy Vaney here, your host of Our Undoing Radio, brought to you by OurUndoing.com. Please go there, visit, read, listen, watch, smell. Okay, there's nothing to smell, but uh, you could read, listen, and watch. That'd be nice, right? Uh, (laughs) uh, But thank you for listening to this show. Um, It's funny, I originally clipped uh, that little bit about alien abduction that uh, Marvin Speller said last week to, to riff on and in a completely different way. But then um, just as I sat down here at the microphone, I thought, why don't I actually literally riff on it? <laughs> the literalness of what he's saying, that could be fun, right? Uh, probably because last night I uh, recorded a live show with Tim Banal. Um, Banal of America. We did a Banal of America block party. Um, and we did that because we were going to do a good parade, which is our comedy show that we resurrect every now and then because I'd had a goofy dream about him that I thought would be a funny thing to put out on the airwaves. Uh, but then he decided, no, I don't really want to do a good parade. Let's make it a Banal of America show. And I said, okay, that's fine. So we did that, and I ended up being interviewed more than co-hosting. Um, and he wanted to talk about my own so-called alien abduction experiences, which I haven't talked about on this show, um, and I don't really talk about on OurUndoing.com, um, because I, I'm, I'm just over-talking about it and writing about it. I, and I've done enough <laughs> in my life about this stuff. And... Uh, it doesn't hold much interest for me, at least in terms of rehashing past events and that sort of thing. Um, but also, it doesn't hold interest for me in having conversations that other people think are deep that are not deep. They think that the topic itself is deep because, hey, aliens from another world or multidimensional or whatever it is, um, or they if you're a skeptic you you might say it's all psychological it's fantasy proneness it's uh childhood trauma being masked by some phantasmagorical uh fantasy i don't know um but those aren't deep those are just um those are uh guesses <laughs> right guesses about the surface level of this phenomenon and that gets to really the context of what Marvin was saying, which is that in society we're, we're only taught to hold, as he said, several strains of thought and nothing else gets in or out. And you could say we're, we're trained to do that as he did by the media. Um, or you could say that the media is, uh, you know, I, I don't know how, I guess I'm stammering and stuttering here because I'm not sure how, Conscious of an intent that is on the part of 
media groups um, in terms of like keeping us stupid, keeping us down. Um, it certainly, I know, is um, a product of a corporate media that will keep you away from certain topics that would harm the corporation or uh, corporate world, corporate thinking, the bottom line, their dollar value, this sort of thing, or their crimes. Uh, sure. But I also know that, like, they run on as tight a budget as they can because they are corporately owned. And so there's only so many stories they're going to do. And it's all about advertisement dollars, your interest. I mean, really, this is the problem of corporate media is it's catering to the interest of a public to keep them around so that they'll watch advertisements. And that should not be what the news is. Um, And as a result, there are only you know, several things in a 24 hour news cycle that you'll hear about over and over and over again. Um, and the result of that is that we're, uh, uneducated about (laughs) everything else that's going on in the world. But also we're not, uh, unless you go to college and take specialty courses in media, you're not going to Um, Or, I mean, you could buy books on it, I'm sure, or maybe see some YouTube videos of scholarly types talking about it. But unless you go out of your way and make the effort and know to do that, you're probably not going to learn how to read the media, how to watch the media, and and know what the manipulations are and know how and why they're doing what they're doing, that sort of thing. Um, Why the conversation is tailored the way it is. and not surprisingly, this is the same thing in uh, ufology, the study of UFOs. It's probably the same in everything in our society. You've, you've got uh, a group of people who you say are at the top um, or powerful or the narrative drivers, and they tell you what the story is. Therefore, they tell you what to think. Um, in UFO world, I think the storyline is driven by the need to uh, dumb down a topic, or not even dumb it down, but necessarily, but to make it as simple and palatable as possible, because anything outside of the norm is to be ignored. This is what we're taught, right? Anything that is abnormal is an outlier. Therefore, it isn't happening, or it will cave to a prosaic explanation. Uh, eventually it's either crazy talk or liars talking or, you know, go down the list of, of anything it is except what people are reporting. So because that's the case, um, researchers make a cookie cutter explanation out of, uh, UFOs and, and supposed alien abductions. So unidentified objects and let's say unidentified interactions with a seemingly other intelligence. They give a definition to those. They say, yeah, sure, it's unidentified and unknown, but I really know what it is. It's aliens. Here it is. Um, and once we can all agree on the established non-fact that it's alien in nature, We can get up in arms and demand that the government tell us what they know about this thing that we've decided is uh, what we said it was, (laughs) forgetting that that was just something we said it was. (laughs) And it may be, you know, right? Like, but that's not important. The fact of the matter isn't important. 
What's important is that we have defined it. We have come to agree upon this definition and we present everything to you through this lens. And that now you don't remember that this is unidentified and unexplained and a mystery. You think it's been solved. And the real mystery is how much does the government know? What are these aliens up to? Why are they here? Um, these are the things that you call a mystery and you think that these are deep issues, but they're not. They're, uh, again, they're, they're delusional. They come from the mistaken notion that you answered the topic to begin with. And now you're on to the next set of questions. You're not. So, um, now UFO world, like any, um, subculture like this, that gets into paranormal phenomena or conspiracies or even spiritual stuff. The fact is it, it works in the same way as the mainstream media, as our fears of how we're being controlled. Um, because there isn't a group at the top doing this. It's what the mind does, right? So the mind, this Westernized mind of ours that we all partake in, does this through us, let's say. Uh, the real puppet master is us, puppet mastering ourselves. And so we express that through any of our interests. And the corporate overlord's interest, you know, they happen to have a lot of money, so their interest can be spread around quite a bit. Um, people in ufology uh, have less money. <laughs> so it's more self-contained, but... Um, every now and then they get media coverage and, um, or, a, like something like ancient aliens becomes popular. And so they can spread out that way, spread their dysfunction that way. Um, so it was interesting f for me to talk about my own stuff with Tim Banal the other night because I hadn't done it in a long time. I mean, I've done a show called the experience where I talk to other experiencers about their experiences but I don't really get into my own stuff that much anymore. Um, but one of the things that he mentioned, which I hadn't thought about, is that I'm uh, one of the first people, or maybe the first person, that he's known to really adopt the term experiencer or experiencer of high strangeness as opposed to alien abduction. Which is funny, and I, I suppose it's kind of true, but I never thought about it that way because I always thought like uh, it was irrelevant in some sense. Like, it doesn't matter what you call it. It's just, you know, alien abductee is what everyone knows. And so it's easier to say that and then start a conversation that way and then get into why it's neither aliens nor abductions. And therefore, saying you're an experiencer makes slightly more sense. Um, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, we all know what we're talking about here, at least to pierce the subject together and commute. And then I can communicate to you why it is not that. But at the same time, um, I guess I did tend to adopt experiencer, uh, as a moniker or whatever, as an identifier. Um, and I think, I think because I didn't want to do a disservice to the actuality of the phenomena, which is again, mysterious. So getting back on track here, I guess the, the, the overarching question is if we do this, uh, with everything or just about everything, if this is just kind of the way 
we self-organize around ideas, around concepts, around mysteries. Um, if this is how we organize, by defining first and then figuring out what it is second, which we can't do because we've already defined it, and so that blinds us to the actuality. Uh, how real is real anymore? I mean, are we living in an illusion, and is that illusion coming from us, or what? And if we are, and we are, then how are we to cut through that noise with practices, with meditations, with yoga, with prayer, that all come from that mind? How are we to break through that mind with the tools of that mind? We can't, right? We are not, we are not to do that. We can't get out of the delusion with dream material from that delusion. And yet for thousands of years we've heard, that's not true, just do this and you'll get this result. You'll get a result, but that result is more of the same thing. It's more of mind stuff. It's more of you. And just as we've said on this show that you are thought, the thinker is thought, the thinker is no different than thought, it just believes itself to be different. This is another level of that. This is the level of the thinker in denial that the thinker is thought, uh, believing, for instance, that uh, it has an egoic death that it can go through. And in this egoic death, it transcends itself and becomes higher, deeper. But if the self is still there, what did it transcend? Where did it go? Did it not just add layers to itself and pretend that it actually dissolved completely? It didn't dissolve completely. It added layers, added layers to itself, and it's still the center of itself, right? It's still the center of all of these layers, all of these new and improved thoughts and feelings. And because feelings are involved, you really, you really cement the fact that you've changed somehow. Because we've put all our eggs into that basket. If I feel it, it's true. Trust myself. Trust my intuition. Trust my gut. Well, my is the problem. The differentiation between you and gut is the problem. You know, when I look... Uh, Outside the window at my post office, it's an idyllic view. There is this gorgeous mountain. There's a little perfectly boxy-shaped church right out front. Behind that is the mountain. And then the wide open sky. And the mountain is phenomenal with the tall grass and the trees. And it looks completely manicured from far back. It is so beautiful and gorgeous. And it's like you can get sucked into that sense of beauty if you stare at it nakedly you know if you stare at it without and i mean that in the sense of thought like without thinking about anything else if you were just really as one with that scenery it could just it could take you away and you could literally be at one with that you could you know it, it's the realization of you and the mountain are one 
this is what they say anyway. But really what it is, I mean, if you really boil it down, it's that you and the mountain are beauty. That if there's no other competing thought going on, you you know, and you're just um, observing that beauty, the mountain is, is beautiful, is the beauty, and you are beautiful. You are the beauty. And you are merged in that stream. You are one. There's no thought, there's no sense of self to block it out, to change the channel and think about something else. In that moment, there is no time, there's no psychological self. There's just the moment, and the moment is beauty. And that is wherein you and the mountain are one. When you're back in time, in the next moment, after you cough, or the lady (laughs) post office woman behind the desk says, excuse me, may I help you? Uh, and you blink it off and go, wow, that was an amazing experience that I'm now going to interpret as a feeling and go on with my day. Um, now you and the mountain are separate, but in a way you're still one. (laughs) That separate self sense is also still one. I mean, if you think about it, the mountain isn't manicured. Uh, it just appears that way. It's it's an illusion. If you were to get up close, if you were to climb the mountain, uh, you would see that that grass is taller than you. It's razor grass. It's cutting you. There's probably a lot of weeds up in there. There's bugs. You know, it's not pleasant. Um, the church out front is from you, from your society. Um It is a way of indoctrinating Hawaiians into uh, Christianity and into Westernization, into America. Back in the sugarcane plantation days, these churches were, of course, ways to keep people docile and give them something to do with their free time, uh, such as it was, which probably amounted to, um, well, it's a small town, gossiping. And giving your hard-earned pay back to the church. That's probably, I'm just guessing. So, in that way, the mountain is also you. It's this illusion of beauty on the surface, where if you cut a little deeper, if you know a little something, you realize there's an ugliness to it, and that ugliness is yours. Um, That tall grass is a foreign invader. It's something that either Americans or Europeans, someone else brought over. A lot of those trees are probably not native trees. They probably killed off the native trees. None of those insects existed prior to non-Hawaiians arriving here. And then the church. (laughs) So, So it can be said that in its separation, even though it is separate from you, it is you. It is your pollution. It is the uh, egoic self, what the egoic self, what the self has actually done, what thought has done in the form of social norms, in the form of conquest uh, to this mountain. The shadow side of the mountain is the side that you live every day. It's the side that you are. And the deep beauty that is the mountain, regardless of how you've paved over it or your society has paved over it, that beauty, regardless, is also you. 
but the day-to-day you has to dissolve, has to disappear, if, if only but for a moment, to experience that beauty that you are. But again, once you come right back to time, you sort of snap out of it and are likely to say that was a beautiful experience of that mountain or wow, what, a, what an amazing feeling that provoked in me. I don't know why it touches me so deeply, but you break it up. You're no longer the beauty. The mountain is still beautiful, but you're no longer there. And this truly, this depth of us is truly what we're blocking out with our media, with whatever, with the, the, the fact, as Marvin said, that we are taught or we teach ourselves, let's put it that way, to only hold several strands of thought at once, several notions of anything at one time, you know, how the world is. That's our baseline because that's the baseline of the self uh, in denial of wholeness. The self that clings to living um, and being the controller, the mastermind, the, the center, that person, you. That's who you are. You're doing this to you. Media moguls are people. You're people. <laughs> right? This is all of the same mind. Now, let's say that there's another intelligence out there. Or in here. Or wherever. Permeating the place. There's another intelligence. And throughout the ages, we've called it different things. In this age, because we're forward-looking, future-projecting people in a way that we never were before, we call them aliens, because that's who we think we're going to meet in the future. Since we're future thinkers, we've constructed for ourselves in the present a definition of this mystery, of this intelligence, and we call that aliens because that's who we think we're going to meet in the future. Of course, now we're even uh, more in, you know, intellectualized than that, right? The more we learn, the more we think, well, maybe it's not aliens from another planet. Maybe it's from a multiverse. Maybe they're from right next door through the fabric of reality in another reality, which is another word for aliens. <laughs> I mean, we really think that sounds smarter, but it's the same thing. You've just changed where they're from. <laughs> um, but again, all of that is because we're futurists. We think forwardly um, in this society anyway, you know, because we can afford to a lot of us. We don't have to, course, now we do, but there was a time, let's call it four years ago, when we didn't have to struggle with the day-to-day so much, um, at least the privileged. Uh, there were people who could afford to daydream. <laughs> there were people who could, uh, you know, not be a mogul and still dream big about the future. Um, I'm guessing you probably didn't get that back when there were like knights and things, back when, you know... You were just a pauper in a field or whatever it is, uh, or even farther back than that. I'm guessing if you're a slave, uh, unless you're living at the, the edge of being fed up with um, slavery to where you must change it, uh, it must change. If you're living in that beginning or middle period where everything's confusing and hopeless, um, you're probably not thinking about the future. You're just thinking about 
how awful right now is? Or how do I make right now less awful for my children? What do I do with this hellscape that I find myself in? Uh, so once you can afford to live in your own head a little bit, um, not have to worry about where your next meal is coming from or if a bear is going to eat you or whatever it is, you start to develop a sense of going somewhere. Oh, yeah, right, I'm here, and I'm going somewhere. I'm evolving. Maybe I'm getting off this rock. going to have a Star Trek future, right? We talked about that last season. So any intelligence that is not our own that we interact with that seems to speak with us in our language and have something to tell us uh, or do with us or do to us, do for us, do against us, whatever it is, we call that aliens. We're not going to call it angels and demons because that's the past. And we poo-poo the past. We know that that's all superstitious nonsense. We're not going to call it fairies because that's also silly. It's non-rational, and we're rational. We're forward-thinking. We're not going to call it, I don't know, dwarves or elves or any of the you know mystical stuff, demigods, all ye old definitions. We're not going to call it that. We're forward-thinking. It's aliens. It's people from a multiverse. Maybe they invented us. Maybe we're simulation. Well, we are a simulation. But we're the ones simulating us. And I think it's pretty easy to see that this is the case. But it's not so easy to talk about because people don't want to talk about that. People want to talk about where they are. They want to talk, they want to express from where they are, where they think they are, from themselves, from their center, from thought. Thought, knowledge. Ye old thought, thought from the past that they've absorbed, that is now them. That's their baseline. That's where they want to talk from. I mean, how would you talk about something not from there? (laughs) What, What knowledge doesn't come from the past? What knowledge isn't taught to us? What would that conversation look like? Well, there's insights. We do have aha moments in our silence, right? In the shower, sometimes full songs come to you, fully expressed, some of you. Um, Or the solution to that math problem. You have the aha epiphany. Spiritually, and you you have the moral and ethical stuff that comes rolling in when you're not thinking about anything. Where's this stuff coming from? Uh, And if there were beings that spoke language that way, could they talk to us consciously? I mean, if something comes out of our depths or through our depths and bubbles up to our surface, and that surface is the thing we think is deep, um, would they talk to that surface, that delusion? They could be in conversation with us right now, and our interpretation of it at this shallow level, whatever bubbles up to the surface sort of the reverse trickle-down theory, <laughs> uh, the crumbs that you get, uh, the crumbs of, of um, a communication that we think are the entirety of that communication may just be that, maybe crumbs of something that's going on deeper the, 
in our unconscious that we, by definition, can't be aware of because we split ourselves in two, conscious and unconscious. And it's only when those minds merge. Only then can we decipher what's being said. You know, that's a possibility. It kind of makes sense, right? I mean, I can articulate it, sort of, kind of. But then you have the ability to poo-poo that and go on with your life or go, wow, that's really fascinating. Anyway, back to aliens. And see, this is where um, I did drop out of wanting to talk about this stuff. It's exactly that point. And it gets right back to Marvin's point. Uh, And my point about Marvin's point, (laughs) which is, Um, When talking about aliens, I have found um, with most people, like 99.9% of the people, they find what I have to say interesting or fascinating, or they go, yeah, that really makes sense. And then in the next breath, they just start talking about aliens again, like normal. In other words, they are completely unaffected by it. It's like they have amnesia the next moment that they were ever interested or ever discovered something more real than what they had about it through what I just communicated. Um, and I'm certain that this is this way with just about any topic, probably. Right? Have you had that moment where you're t- telling somebody something and they're agreeing with you? I mean, people do this with their relationships all the time. They come to you for advice, right? And they're like, I don't know what I should do. I'm, I feel this way and this way and this way. And you're like, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what I see. And they're like, you're so right. I'm going to change that. And then they don't. And then it's the next week, the same problem, wash, rinse, repeat over and over and over again, because that is who they are. That is who we all are. And so if a media mogul is doing that or several media moguls, well, guess what? If you were that media mogul, you'd probably be doing it too. That's what I mean by we're doing it to ourselves. It's all of us. If it's not you, it would be you, most likely. And you say, no, no, because you're at this vantage point. You're the quote-unquote victim of it. But if you weren't the victim of it, you'd be the perpetrator of it. And in other parts of your life, you probably are the perpetrator of it. It's just you're blind to it. Because it's you doing it. And we love nothing more than remaining blind to ourselves. Guess who would never, ever want us to take them to our leader? Aliens. Sorry, I I couldn't just let you guess. <laughs>